Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. How are we doing today? Doing well. Man, I just enjoy worshiping with you guys. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Oh, man. Sometimes one of the greatest joys as a pastor is just to, uh, don't worry, I sing along with you guys, but sometimes I just enjoy stopping, stop singing for me, and hearing you guys sing. Man, it is such a good thing to hear the praises that we bring to God, give him all the glory and honor that he deserves. Amen? Man, good stuff. Well, thank you so much for joining us here, and you know, just I appreciate uh, all y'all's flexibility this morning. As um, my favorite thing to say in ministry, uh, we're doing things a little uh, different, but just trust me. And I know uh, the students hate when I say "just trust me," but just trust me. All right. So, if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to Third John. Turn to 3 John. We are continuing our little uh, mini-series talking about 2 John and 3 John. And um, last week we were in 2 John and we talked about uh, what it means to walk in truth, to walk in love, and to walk with discernment. And this week we're, we're continuing this, um, this idea of what it is to look like a house church, uh, a bunch of home groups that form a bigger church, um, and prayerfully taking baby steps into the Northwest. And today we're going to be learning in 3 John how um, we interact with many different characteristics and personalities and emotions, um, but what is the characteristics and personalities that we are supposed to be giving off and how we have a heart for the nations, how we have a heart to see churches uh, planted and uh, be a multiplication type church. Um, and so we're going to be uh, talking a little bit about characteristics today. And so before we uh, dig into today, today's text, I got a question for you. Who enjoys the company of a prideful person? Any hands out there? Who enjoys the company of a prideful person? Okay, we got a couple hundred people in here, and none of you are saying yes. That's good to hear because I, too, do not like being in front or in the midst of a prideful person. You know, they're all arrogant, they're uncoachable, they're unapproachable, they're unappreciative of perso- uh, personal opinions that you may have. They're, they're pompous and arrogant. And if they have glasses, they'll bend over like this and say, well, actually, <laughs> like they'll do something like that. And oh, that really grinds my gears. It's like, I know I'm not the brightest uh, bulb, but you don't have to correct me all the time. All right. So I just do not enjoy the company of a prideful person, and neither, it's very clear, neither do you. And so what do we do, though, when, when it's um, our responsibility in the local church and, and thinking, of, uh, thinking missionally, thinking to the Northwest, what is our responsibility um, when we interact with those characteristics? Well, today in 3 John, we're going to be uh, reading today about exactly that. So like I said, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 3 John. And so I'm going to go ahead and read the 15 verses, and then we'll go verse by verse like we did last week. So let us read read, starting with verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, 
I pray that all may go with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For, for I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified uh, to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is, faithful, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Continuing in verse 9, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first and does not acknowledge our authority, so if I come, I will bring up uh, what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to put them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, and from the truth itself, we also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your, your inerrant, perfect, infallible word that, that penetrates the heart of man. God, we thank you that we get to uncover what this text means to us. And, and God, I pray for, for us as a church, for, for my brothers and sisters in Christ here and for my friends, that they will see uh, the benefit of not being a prideful person, that they will see the benefit of being um, reflecting your humility that your son uh, personified in this life that he uh, lived here on earth. And um, God, I just pray that, that we can be people who are, who are humble, that we can not be prideful and arrogant. But God, I pray that what we uncover today, that we may learn uh, more about how humility is, is supposed to look in our everyday life. And God, I say these things in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so going back to verse 1. To the elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. So we see that the Apostle John is talking. Um, he's transitioning from last week to talking to a specific church to now talking to a specific guy uh, named Gaius. Um, he's one of the leaders of one of these house churches. And um, he is closer, uh, John is, to Gaius. He's closer to him than the people that he was talking to in Second John because he referenced to Gaius as a as beloved. He's, he calls him guy, uh, beloved multiple times um, after this introduction all throughout the, the chapter here. And he's, um, and he's thankful that he's a fellow co-worker in verse 8. He loves him for the truth that he is continuing to proclaim throughout the region that he's located in. And, you know, we talked, like I said, extensively last week about what walking in truth means. Um, so he, he highlights that you're walking in truth, and I'm thankful for that. And so if you miss last week, go to last week on a sermon on YouTube, check that out, and uh, bring you up to speed. And then in verse 2, John goes on to say that he is in prayer for him, that his health is in good condition. He says, I pray that 
all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. You know, he shows humility here by not just acknowledging the physical well-being, but the spiritual well-being as well. God, if he delights in seeing Jesus' humility uh, being seen through his sons and daughters like we are, or those who have proclaimed Christ as Lord and Savior, this is an act of humility that you and I can follow. To go above and beyond of asking how, simply how are the wife and kids are doing, but to go above and beyond and say, let's meet for coffee. How are you doing? And, and then once they try to get away with, uh, um, I'm good, or um, if you have teenagers in your house and you ask how school was, that's what their response is, good. Okay, so what this means is like you, you get away from that. You really try to focus on how their, their soul is doing, how their being is doing, how their psyche is doing, because it is a beneficial part in our act of humility, wanting to know how people are. You know, I'm from Ohio. I'm from the Midwest. And um, sometimes I think being from the Midwest, uh, it gets me in trouble here when people said, how are you doing? Because the Midwesterns, they have a knack for really sharing and not caring about who's listening or how long you have, because there's no time frame with the Midwestern. Um, And so if you ask a Midwestern, how are you doing? I'm more than confident they're going to share their whole life story. And so What I'm challenging you to do is to be a Midwestern, something like that. I don't know. But my point is this. We are to care for for each other on a more intimate and personal level. John sees this discipleship component with him and his friend Gaius. And he's saying, I care about your well-being with your soul. So in verse 3, it seems we get this illusion that um, uh, there has been some past ministry involvement that, that him and Gaius has been a part and worked together with. And John, he's delighted. He says again, just like last week, he's delighted of the report that he receiving is not bad news, but it is good news. He says, I rejoice greatly when the brothers uh, came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. And then in verse 4, it continues, my children, it says, my children walking in truth. Now, look, if we remember in 2 John last week, um, John, the apostle John was saying, I'm thankful that your children are walking in truth. But now he's switching the, 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 um, switching his wording to being possessive and saying, I'm glad that my children are walking in truth. You know, church, I've been, I've been in youth ministry for a, a while now. Uh, for over 10 years, and there's nothing more joyful to see um, snippets and pictures and posts of past students who are walking in truth. You know, uh, uh, now I will say when they, uh, last summer, I I saw one of our our students, her name's Maya, um, and yes, that's where I got the name Maya for our youngest, Um, and yes, teens, that's how good of a student she was for me, Um, just saying, so good that I named a daughter after her, but, and I like the name Maya, it's a cute name, but anyways, Maya, she, she uh, was one of our great leaders, student leaders in Ohio, she uh, went to, she went to Cedarville Baptist College in Ohio, she got married, and now they're having a family, and they have a kid now, and and now they're getting involved in their local church, and um, not only that, but it's a joy to see my students that I had in, in California, where, um, 
One of them, uh, for her college internship, she actually uh, led worship at her church the whole entire summer. Uh, the, another student and her husband, after I got, um, after I left, uh, her and her husband took over the youth ministry, and they still are doing that now four or five years later. Now, even here at New Hope, I, I brag on our students all the time. It's a joy to see my students that I have walking in truth. Guys, this is something that, that we get to look at when we disciple students, when we, get to, we, when we disciple one another, uh, the next generation of church leaders, and these people are walking in truth. We get, to, we get to be a little possessive there and say, man, it's a joy that my children are walking in truth. And that's his delight. That's John's delight with, with him and his friend Gaius. And so uh, transitioning now to, from verse 4 to 5, that we see a transition that mentions um, the, the main reason behind um, why this letter is being written. And we see children who are walking in truth from verse 4 and are being taken care of uh, for, their, for their efforts. Even though it says um, in, in verse 5, it says, uh, they are uh, strangers as they are at the very end. Um, they, they aren't aware of who they are. They, they just know that they are preaching the truth. They are essentially missionaries. They have an acknowledgement and a love for the word. They love serving others, and, and they love loving the Lord. And the, it's, a, it's a difference between Second John where we talked about if a, if a preacher or missionaries come proclaiming a different gospel, don't accept what they're proclaiming as true. It's a different tone here. These people are doing what is good. They are honoring the Lord. They are uh, receiving the gospel as the true gospel. And, he's, and he is saying, even though these people are strangers, we are to, um, it is a faithful thing that they do for all their efforts. You know, we have a couple strangers here today. All right, so we're going to be packing 20,000 meals for Mission of Hope. And uh, people like Otis in the back and Mitchell outside getting all these things ready. For us, these people, they are strangers to us. But Mission of Hope is an organization that has a heart for the Lord first. And they have a heart for people's souls. And they have a heart for the gospel to be spread to the DR and to uh, the people of Haiti and we, as a, as a church, we get to come alongside them and say, look what God is doing through this ministry. Though they may be strangers, they are brothers and sisters in Christ doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. And we get to honor that and acknowledge that what they are doing is a faithful thing. So, yes, I encourage all of us to be a part of what Mission of Hope is doing, whether it's being a part of the food packing day right now or in a few months in, in June going to the DR and, and actually being a part of a mission trip with Mission of Hope. Because though, again, they are strangers, they are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are in one accord with the gospel. And so moving on, we, we see in verse, uh, verse 6, John is encouraging guys to send the fellow believers on their way. Their time has ended just as much as Mission of Hope's time is going to end in a few hours. There, it, see, it says their time has ended, but the believers that we, they are working with, uh, he encourages them to uh, reflect, uh, send them off in a way that is, is honoring and a manner that is worthy to the Lord. 
Essentially, it means to give them supplies, food, material, money, whatever it is that they may need to continue this ministry, bless them in that way. You know, church, we're a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, and, you know, we have a heart. I'm pretty confident in saying we, as the Southern Baptist Convention, we have a heart for the nations. Amen? I think we do. And uh, every year we, we celebrate Lottie Moon and, and her legacy and what she did for the people in China. And, and then not only that, but we, we encourage uh, our church, you guys, brothers and sisters, to say, look at the nations and say, um, support all of our 3,500 plus missionaries all around the world, making sure that they have the supplies that um, Melissa Kaczewski needs to reach the people in the 1040 window, making sure that the future missionaries, me and Kara, have the necessities that we need to reach the people in Costa Rica and to the ends of the world that we don't know. But we're encouraged because what Lottie Moon does is it blesses those missionaries. It blesses those church members so that they have the supplies and food and materials and money, whatever it is that they need to continue on in ministry. And John, again, he's saying the same thing. Do it in a manner worthy of God. Don't do it begrudgingly. Do it in a manner that is acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. <clears throat> in verse 7, it says that they are supposed to do this because the believers haven't gained anything from the world. They've not gained anything from, it says, the Gentiles. In this context, it means they, they haven't accepted anything from worldly or, or non-Christian supporters. What verse 5 to 7 helps us understand is that as a church, we are supposed to, to serve humbly together, or as our first point is highlighting, corporate humility. We have an obligation to corporately reflect Christ's humility. We need to always be thinking of others above ourselves. John says they didn't receive anything from the Gentiles, and he uses this term as a way of saying those simply who don't acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. In our world, in in their world, in their culture as well, uh, non-Christians they're not under any obligation to, to uh, give or to promote um, anything that is of biblical and Christ-centered causes. That's, that was true then, and that is true today. And, and if anything, the world is going to continue to support worldly causes. And we today continue to support these efforts as a, as, uh, for different churches, different parachurch organizations, and other organizations that proclaim the gospel as truth and have a heart to reach and love the nations and to, um, to love our neighbors as, as we're called to love and so, um, verse 8, we, are, we as the church must acknowledge and support those who are being faithful ambassadors. It says, therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So the missions works that's being done with Mission of Hope, the, the work that's being done uh, on different parts of the world, we get to be fellow ambassadors with those people. We get to be fellow, it says, fellow workers. The way that these people served was by the service of humility. They wanted to serve in a way that put Jesus and others above themselves. And when we see people or organizations like Mission of Hope that are serving, uh, we are excited, we are eager to serve alongside them. Now, now verse 9, we, there's a transition here. Remember that conversation we had at the beginning? If you enjoy being around a prideful person? Well, this is 
another issue that they're having problems with. Verse 9, it says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. He already addressed the humble servants of fellow believers, so corporate humility, and how they should welcome them because of the gospel that binds them together in unity. But now he's addressing the pride, the pompous and arrogant lifestyle of Diotrephes. Diotrephes had multiple issues like we just read, and he was abusing his leadership, and he did not acknowledge others and others' authority. And he proved to be somebody who I say was uncoachable. You know, if God delights in seeing Jesus' humility being seen in and through his sons and daughters, we must be people who are coachable, people who can be taught things, who listen to constructive criticism, who, who honors and respects authoritative figures, and who are eager to learn. This matters because if we aren't people who act this way, we might be, somebody, we might be giving off a, an idea to somebody else that we have an attitude of being unapproachable. If you act this way in front of me, I'm not going to want to approach you. And if I'm not going to be eager, and I'm not going to be eager to approach somebody who I disagree with, and they give off this attitude. And you know, church, as believers, especially we shouldn't act this way. Rather, our call is to reflect the humility of Christ. In Philippians 2, 4 to 8, it says this. Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He writes, let each of you not only to his own uh, interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ was the prime example of what being humble means, and he gives us the call, the the direction, the biblical mandate to be humble as he was humble in a form of a servant. Now, again, some of us might uh, not understand and might not have the connection between what being humble and being coachable means. And, you know, I just want to put it in this way um, by looking at Michael Phelps. All right. It's 2024. The, the, the Olympics are quickly coming up. I enjoy the Olympics. The swimming part is my favorite. Not going to lie. That's what I enjoy the most. And so in sports, we always debate who's the best baseball player, who is the best basketball player, who's the best football player, and the list can go on with debates. But the argument I like to have a debate with is literally just who is the greatest athlete ever to have ever existed. My argument is that Michael Phelps is that guy. All right, and this is why, because if you've done any of these things, then you might have a say on who um, else can take that reign of Michael Phelps. But here's what Michael Phelps has accomplished. If you need a recap, he's a guy who has 23 gold medals, three silver medals, two bronze medals. In addition to the Olympic medals, he has accrued over 80 other medals in other major international competition. He made his debut in the Olympics at 15 years old. While we were wanting to have our driver's license, he was like, no, I want to go overseas to be in the Olympics, all right? And so he appeared, uh, he's the only U.S. swimmer to appear in five Olympics. He was the swimmer of the year eight times in a row. 
You know, church, it's safe to say Michael Phelps is somebody who can be prideful in his actions. I think so. And if I was Michael Phelps, I probably would be prideful in all of those accomplishments. Um, But, you know, where every good athlete is, there's a coach behind him. His coach, Robert Bowman, um, is an instrumental part of Michael Phelps' success. Michael Phelps, when talking about his coach, he says, he is my dad. I didn't always have a dad growing up because he was competing in the Olympics at 15, right? Duh. So for me, having somebody there uh, that was there for me, who believed in me, had confidence in me, but also would help me along the way. I learned a lot from him, and check this out, church. I learned a lot from him, and I still learn a lot from him. Even the greatest athlete of all time, in my opinion, still has to learn humility by being coachable. So to learn humility is to learn what being coachable is. Be coachable this week. Take advantage of of being somebody who asks questions, who doesn't have a know-it-all type of personality like Diotrephes did. Take opportunities, again, to ask questions. And I know I said it twice because I really meant it twice. Ask questions. One of the greatest, if you want a homework assignment, read the Gospels the next couple weeks and see how many questions Jesus asked. Ask questions. Be coachable. Don't be like Diotrephes, thinking you know it all and not acknowledge authority. Now, because of this, uh, when we don't act with humility, uh, consequences are bound to happen, right? One thing I tell my kids all the time, I tell my kids all the time, your actions have consequences and rewards. Your, con- your actions have consequences and rewards. And for Diotrephes, we don't see exactly, the Bible doesn't say what his consequence for his actions are, but they, as John says, they are, uh, the words he's saying are as a wicked nonsense. They are wicked nonsense. So um, he is saying that uh, it's, inc- it's, it's difficult to do the right thing, but it's even more difficult to do the right thing when somebody else is mocking you for that right thing. And, and the Apostle John has a harsh uh, tone here that he's going to address when he does see Diotrephes. And so the second point I want us to remember is a prideful lifestyle will always fail. It'll always fall. It'll always come short of the glory of God. And for us today, we have the opportunity to have humility, our third point, that will always look and be triumphant. If pridefulness will always fail and always fall, then humility will always be triumphant. In verse 11, John goes back to addressing Gaius and says, Because of the pridefulness of Diotrephes, don't imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. Don't reflect what we know is to be evil thoughts and words and actions, but reflect what is good and what is pure and what is genuine. John says, whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Now again, uh, if if you weren't here last week, that's okay. First, second, and third John were all written by uh, uh, the apostle John. And and the apostle John, he likes to go back and forth. And in first John 5.18, he reminds us of this by saying, We know that everyone who is born of God does not keep sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. For us, we have the fruit of of, of righteousness, not unrighteousness. We are Holy Spirit-led, not sin-led. We are children of God, not children of wrath. Let uh, us pursue what is good in the eyes of the Lord. 
And then in verse 12, the letter closes uh, with John, um, starts to close with John praising the humility of another guy named Demetrius. John said he had received great testimony, amazing testimony, good testimony from everyone that Demetrius had worked with. <clears throat> Wouldn't you like to get that uh, report? That when you go to uh, end of the year review at your job and, and your boss is like, man, I don't know what the heck you're doing, but the, everyone loves you. Everyone likes you. Everyone honors and respects you. Everyone has a good thing to say about you. And so this is meaning that he's, Demetrius, he's not prideful. He's learned humility and others, they praise him for that. And then not only that, but John adds um, from the truth itself. He wants to honor the Lord and the gospel above it all as well. He says, because you're humble and your servants, uh, servant type heart, it is only because of the gospel that makes you do those things. Lastly, John, he commends Demetrius himself of his good character and nature. So when people are around Demetrius, others, they thrive. And it's all because of his humble nature. You know, when, when you compare and contrast the difference between Demetrius and Diotrephes, it's pretty obvious which one is more pleasing to be around. Back to my earlier point, uh, people who are humble people, you're the ones, they're the ones that are, we're excited to be around. People who are humble are those people who are understanding. They put others above themselves, and, and oftentimes they don't want to be praised for their work. You know, I'm reminded of the words by King Solomon in Proverbs 11:2, when he says, um, pride, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Let's be people who are humble in our words and in our actions. If we are people, if we were to ask people, like I just said, at, at work and, or in our families or, or our neighbors, um, if, if, and it was a blank survey, if we are more like Demetrius or more like Diotrephes, which one would you think you would receive the most? Third John may be a short letter, but it is one that is very, empower, it's very powerful and important for us as the church today. There are many lessons here, whether direct or indirect, for the Christian life. And, and so in closing, again, my question is, are you a Diotrephes or Demetrius? When people think of you, do they think of somebody who is selfless, seeking to give himself on behalf of others in, a, in Christian service? Or do you think somebody, or are you someone who is selfish, always seeking to be first and in charge? Now, I get you may think, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a church leader, I'm not uh, a part of any leadership type setting. Does it really amount to me? And I think it does. I think it does because, um, remember, you're Christ follower first. And when the humility of Christ is seen in us, the church and the world around us see the gospel more clearly. So, let Diotrephes in us be crucified. And let the Demetrius in us be continually sanctified. Brothers and sisters, we must be in constant pursuit of the humility of Jesus. So would you pursue this type of humility with me? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this letter that um, uh, the Apostle uh, Paul wrote to uh, Gaius. And just, God, we thank you for the truth being of the gospel being littered throughout all the, the verses there. God, we pray that we can be people who are not arrogant and prideful and pompous and give off a unpleasant scent. But God, we pray that we can be people who love you, who honor you, who glorify you. And we do this in a way that reflects the humility of Christ. 
Jesus, we thank you for this sweet time together. We pray, God, for, for Mission of Hope. God, we pray that the organization that they are, the heart that they have for the nations, that we can come alongside them um, in just a little bit and, and say, God, do a work in the people of Haiti. Do a work in the people of the DR. And God, I'm thankful that there are organizations like Mission of Hope that we can partner with and come alongside with to share the good news uh, with those people. So God, let us reflect humble servants, humble service with the service that we're about to do. Jesus, again, we praise you for what you're doing here at New Hope. You are good, you are faithful, and you are true. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Pastor Matt, you lived that out. It's such a good word. One of the most teachable men I know is um, Matt. He's amazing, so thank you. Um, God's been good to our church. We've got so many folks here who serve, who love, who just invest their life quietly behind the scenes. Today, we get a chance to do that. We're so excited. But you may need to respond to this message in one of two ways. Uh, you might have even carried something in today that's heavy, and the message was huge. But to you, you're like, uh, this weight. Um, maybe there's prayer. Maybe you just need to be with someone today. In just a minute, we're going to uh, exit out of this time. We're going to uh, serve together in just a couple of minutes. When that time comes, when we get up and get ready to go serve, if you need someone to pray with you, maybe you need to come to Christ for the first time and say, God, I need the power to walk in humility and strength and love. I'm broken and I'm angry and I'm hurt. I need help. Or maybe you've got someone else that you're praying for. You just need someone to share with you in prayer. If that's your heart today, when we stand in just a minute, go to this back corner. It's kind of in green. You'll see a huge sign that says prayer. There'll be brothers or sisters back there to pray with you, agree with you in prayer. More importantly, God will meet you. He'll meet you in prayer, um, and he'll minister to your heart. So if you have a need like that, please go to that back corner. Maybe today you're new, and you didn't have a chance to fill out a Connect card, or you're just wanting to get connected. You're not sure quite how to do that. We know we grow in humility. We also grow in power and joy. We grow in Christ when we do it together. If you've not gotten connected yet, be sure and go to that blue corner um, and connect there. You guys, let's go ahead and stand. That idea of walking in humility, you know, it's the only way the church is here today, not just new hope, the body of Christ. If somebody hadn't listened to Jesus and said, yes, Lord, I'll do that. Not only will I come to you, give you my life, but Lord, I'll tell someone else about it. We would not know the gospel. You ever think about that? We just wouldn't be here. So we pray in just a second. And then I don't go anywhere because once you sit back down, we're going to talk about the chance to serve Haiti right after that. But as we pray, you guys, when we come together, we're in the presence of the Lord in an extraordinary way. Let's come our hearts, bring our hearts before the Lord. God, today we thank you. Father, if there's someone here today that needs to just say for the first time, yes, Lord, I've believed in you, God. I've thought a lot of things about you, but I've never really surrendered my life to you. Today I do that. God, as they just offer that prayer to you silently, adjoining with someone else in the back corner, God, I thank you that you'll honor that as powerful, as awesome as you are. With humility and open arms, you say, come to me. Come to me. If you're heavy laden, if you're burdened, I will give you rest. 
Father, as we pray and bring our lives before you, we offer them to you, Lord. We ask for that rest, that encouragement. Father, we pray even today. I, I love our church. I love as a church family the opportunity to serve together in so many ways. But today, we as a church family, we lift up the people of Haiti. Brothers and sisters in Christ over their children. God, so many who don't know you. So many who are affected by um, other worship, demonic, and, and, and just lostness, chaos, and confusion. Such brokenness. God, can we as just one voice come before you and ask that you would do work in that island. God, that you would work in the government. That you would work in the unrest. And, and God, that you would provide and, and just break that yoke, Lord. That they would be experience revival, God, that would change the entire island, the entire nation of Haiti. And Father, we love you today. We bring up our lives to you. We ask you, Lord, help us to just follow you now with commitments that lead to obedience, that leads to joy and life. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.